Episode number 112. Already episode number one, I mean, excuse me, 112, 102. 112 is coming. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Episode 102, and I believe episode 101 will be an episode 
to remember forever, right? I know that Caramore feels that way, and I hope that others uh, were inspired by yesterday's show. I know I was. I couldn't wait to run and tell everybody about the miracles or the miracle that we experienced yesterday. Maybe miracles, I guess, uh, but the miracle that we experienced yesterday on Rise Up, I, I had to tell everybody because when something like that happens, you run and you tell everybody. And that's what the show is going to be about today. Kara Moore says, I love you guys. I'm on such a high. Well, that's, that's what the show is going to be about uh, today is don't mess with my old brain. <laughs> that's right. I'm not trying to. Uh, the whole show today is going to be about your faith, about once you experience that moment that you know that maybe Jesus exists or maybe you know that Jesus has been reaching out to you, that moment in which you have that revelation that first time, if you can remember, some, for some of you it was 30 years ago. For some of you it was 40 years ago. For some of you it was 50 years ago. And for some of you it was just five years ago. But I would be willing to bet that not a single person here forgets when they became a Christian. Right? It's one of those moments that you remember for the rest of your life because it is a life-changing transformation. And you're never the same after that. But if you remember, if you can go back to that, that moment in time, the only thing that you wanted to do was run and tell everybody. I did. I know that was the first thing I wanted to do was run and tell everybody about the good news because why wouldn't you want to tell everybody about good news? I can understand not wanting to tell people about bad news. You know what I mean? But when you, uh, when you get that good news, you want to tell everybody. And that's kind of what we're going to focus the show around today. Because if you remember, Andrew was the first disciple, wasn't he? If it wasn't for Andrew running and telling Peter, Simon, uh, immediately about, hey, the Christ is here. The Messiah is here. And why, why did he do that? Well, because people like Andrew were hungry. There was people hungry for the good news. They were hungry for the word of God. They were hungry for the Messiah to come. They were hungry for the words of Christ, the teachings of the Messiah. And when Andrew saw Jesus for the first time, the first thing that he wanted to do was run and tell Simon, his brother, the Messiah is here. And of course, Simon was probably like, yeah, right. I mean, you remember The Chosen, right? How they depicted it. And Andrew's faith was so strong, almost that of like Abraham's, right? I mean, we are all nations and children uh, of Abraham. And through Abraham, God gave many nations, right? And, 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 and descendants, more than the sand, the, each sand, a speck of sand on a beach. And that was because of Abraham's faith. He listened to God. And Andrew had so much faith. And I don't think that we talk about Andrew enough. I really don't. I don't think we talk about Andrew enough because what he did is exactly what all of us do, did when we first came to Christ. We wanted to run and tell everybody, especially our loved ones. And unfortunately, our loved ones are the ones that uh, kind of set, you know, pushed us away more than anybody. But it's still a great, great story, the story of Andrew. So I titled today's show, Run and Tell Everyone You Know. Run and tell everyone you know. That's exactly what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to run and tell everybody with a smile on your face. I have seen the Christ. I've seen the Messiah. Jesus changed my life. 
Now, not to be confused with wanting to run and teach everybody everything when you don't even know everything yet. That's where you've got to kind of pump the brakes, ease back a bit. Telling people about your experience is one thing. Telling people that you were saved by Christ is one thing. Telling people that, man, if only you saw what I saw, if only you felt what I felt, that's one thing. But then wanting to try to teach everybody things that you don't know yet, that's where you want to pump the brakes. And that's what I did. And that's what I did. Of course, me being me, right? Oh, I'm a Christian. That means I know everything about Christianity and Christ. Yeah, that was me. Pump the brakes, fat boy. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> and I know that uh, Eli and, and my, my wife are out there laughing at the whole fat boy. Uh, uh, <laughs> there she goes. Yep. She's laughing right now. It's, it's an inside joke. Okay. It's an inside joke. Robbie says, I told my mother what happened on yesterday's Rise Up. And all she said was, God is good. All the time. And all the time, God is good. Right? Uh, so yeah, it was a very special, very special show. If you, if you did not see yesterday's rise up for any reason, I encourage you to go back and watch it. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're 10 minutes past the hour. If you've not done so yet, make sure that you like the video. Just reach down, hit that rumble button. If there's 882 people watching, there should be no reason why we don't have 882 likes, right? So if you guys could do that, we'd appreciate it. And, uh, if you're wearing a hat, please remove your hat. And if anybody in your room, in the room that you're in is bumping their gums and talking, say, hey, pipe down. It's about time for uh, our morning prayer. Okay, here we go. Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for the ability to, to be in a position to be saved, to be in a position where we can even see you and know you. Uh, what a blessing that is. What a gift. What a present that definitely is. And everybody here that's listening and watching today remembers that moment with you. And we thank you for those moments. We also thank you for the joy that we experience. And that's what it is, Lord. We know that it's, it's joy that gets us to run and tell everybody immediately. Not happiness. Joy. Happiness is something that you can experience by yourself, Lord. But you give us joy to experience, experience and share with others. And for that, we thank you. And Lord, if there's anybody listening today who has not made that, uh, made that step, who has not reached their hand up uh, to grab and grasp your hand, Lord, we ask that you uh, uh, use this show today and use me today to be able to push them in that direction just a little bit more so that they'll walk out on faith, take that next step of faith without seeing that they're going to be okay and literally trusting their lives and their safety in your hands because we are witnesses. There's a thousand witnesses here, Lord, uh, that are watching right now that will attest to that's exactly what happens. It's a trust fall and we trust in you and we thank you for that. Lord, help us spread this gospel far and wide today. Encourage each and every person watching to share your Godcast today with the world because the good news is something that we do not want to keep to ourselves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If it's good news, why would you want to share it? I mean, why wouldn't you want to share it? If it's good news, you don't want to keep that to yourself, right? You want to share it. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go right to one-minute prayer for dads then we're going to go to the Bible Promise Book for Morning and Evenings. And we're going to talk a little bit. This is the plan anyway. God knows he changes the plan quite a bit here on Rise Up, doesn't he? He changes the plan quite a bit here on Rise Up. That's the plan. And then we've got an 18-minute video, brand new video, from Living Waters Ray Comfort. Because you guys know that Satan Con happened last week in Boston. 
and I did not give it any airtime because the last thing that I wanted to do was multiply the evil spirits that were surrounding SatanCon in Boston. I figured I'd wait, and I think it's the right time to put to talk about it because Ray Comfort and Living Waters were there, and they have got a lot to say about it. So, again, this is our uh, plan, but God always has different plans than Jeremy Harrell, right? Uh, Porgy says, why can I not see you talking? I don't know. You mean you can't see the video? I don't know. Jeremy, it would make my daughter's day if you would give her a shout out. She's five. Her name is Leanna. She received one of those lambs you sent out. She loves you and you make her laugh. Leanna, first of all, my daughter is six years old too, Lily. And I bet you and Lily would have a fun time playing together, watching Superbook, doing cool things together. Um, But uh, I just want to say thank you very much for liking the show. Thank you for watching with your mom. Is it your mom or your grandma? I don't know. Who was it? Um, Make my daughters, your mom. Uh, So your mom is really awesome, definitely, for letting you watch this show. And uh, thank you for watching. I'm glad that I can make you laugh. I'm glad that you got the, the little lamb. That's the little lamb of God. I hope, I hope he sleeps with you every day. Or she. I don't know if it's a he or a she. I wasn't sure. Uh, but I'm sure you have a name. Uh, so thank you very much for watching Rise Up. Make sure that you continue to read your Bible. If you need, if you need a kid's Bible, uh, have your mom request one. We'll ship one out to you. Um, and thank you very much. We love you. God bless you, Leanna. All right. So we're going to read from page 118 today. And the reason why is because... You know, the whole thing is centered around running and telling everybody you know, the joy that you experience, like Andrew. So let's keep Andrew, the first disciple, right, uh, in, our, in our minds while we, uh, while we talk about running this race that we're in. And we're going to get it from 1 Corinthians 9, 24, running the race. Do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. And I think if you're running to tell everybody about the joy you experienced in Christ, then I think you need to run like you're go- that, like you, uh, so that you may obtain what tr- Christ is promising. If we dads see life as a long-distance marathon, we know the importance of keeping our, our nose pointed toward the goal line and running our race with an aim to win. In God's fatherhood, Marathon, there isn't just one winner. Every man who is faithful, who is a faithful dad gets a prize. So run to win. You can do this, dad. God, I'm in a race, a dad race. The goal is seeing my kids land on their feet as mature adults who are still loving and serving you as I am today. I look around at some of the now adult kids of my friends, and I see that many of them have abandoned their faith. Some are even endangering their lives by flirting with drugs, sexual immorality, and greedy pursuit of money. Those dads are losing their race, and I don't want to become one of them. Help me to stand strong in showing my children how to live right and have a successful Christian life. I won't be running this race again, Lord. I'm going to run this race to win a prize. Wow. Wow. 
And, you know, I'd like to add something to that. Um, when you see those other dads that are not running the race, uh, and you see those dads that have bowed out or that are taking a break, it is incumbent upon you as a Christian father to give them advice and give them uh, suggestions and be there for them. Now, most of the time, they're probably going to reject you at face value. And face-to-face, and -face, they're probably going to reject you. They're probably going to reject everything you say if they're not a really close friend. Maybe even if they are a really close friend. I don't know. But what I do know is that it is your job to give them uh, advice and uh, to let them know, hey, if there's anything you ever need, uh, you know, let me know. Because if you're that kind of a super dad or a super mom or you've got that kind of, you know, if, if your family is centered in the Lord and you're drawing your energy and your stamina and, and whatever it is that you need to get through the day as a father and a mother, and not just get through the day, but get through it successfully, well, then you should be able to have a little bit of overflow to give to somebody else. Because if you don't, if you don't offer them advice, who's going to? The world? You think Netflix is going to offer them advice? You think uh, Hulu or, or, or any of those streaming platforms are going to offer them advice? No. You want to know why? Because they don't care. You've got to care. Even at the risk of, telling, of them telling you off. You know what I mean? Because again, ladies and gentlemen, they're not going to hate you for life for trying to help them. You just got to make sure that when you do it, you don't do it as like, oh, you're doing wrong and I'm doing right. What the hell is your problem? Do this better. You know, that's not the way you're going to have, it's not going to work. It's kind of the same way as when you're evangelizing. You can't, you can't do it that way. You've got to be, it's, you know what? I'll tell you what. I always say this. Now I may be wrong. I may be right. I don't know. But I think uh, if every person was to experience the military or if every person was to experience jail, they might have a different, they might have a shift in priorities. It might make them a better person. It might humble them. You know what I'm saying? And I always think that, um, you know, uh, coming from a, being in those positions, it, it not only humbles you, but it allows you to understand pain. It allows you to understand uh, how some, how a lot of people live in this world. But another thing that I always said is I think, a lot, I think everybody should wait tables. Right, Eli? Everybody should wait tables. You should be a server. And Why? Because when you wait tables or when you're a server in your life, one thing that you know is you know how to adjust yourself uh, to be able to have conversation with somebody else and their personality and their level of intellect or their level of energy. And say you have five or six tables going on as a waiter or as a server. You have to be, I wouldn't say you have to be a different person with every table, but you literally have to uh, establish a relationship with this person in let's say an hour, Right and which results them having a good time out and you getting a good tip. Well, if you knew have ever waited tables or served, then you would, you would make a great uh, evangelist. You'd make a great evangelist. And the reason why is because you know how to adjust the way you're speaking to somebody to, to maybe let down their guard a little bit and have a conversation with you in order for you to get through to them what you're, the message, right? So, you know, I think some of those things you know, about military, maybe not jail so much, but jail did that for me. Um, but definitely like waiting tables, serving, it definitely allow, it gives you great skills. It gives you great insight. It gives you great uh, people skills and understanding how to be humbled and, and, and bring yourself down a little bit and check yourself once in a while. And, and I got to tell you, it did wonders for me. And I think it's going to really help when it comes to, you know, street evangelizing. When I get to that point, I'll be able to have a conversation 
with anybody and strike a conversation with anybody. I want to thank you, Arthur, very much for that donation. God bless you, man. I, I know things are about to get bad down there. What'd you say, Eli? Eli said it keeps your cognitive skills really sharp, too, as well. And I think that's a very good point. It keeps you aware of what's going on around you and how to uh, comprehend the things that are happening. It keeps you on your toes. You know, those kind of situations. I really believe that. Um, Serving anybody out there who's been a server or a waitress or a waiter, you know, it's the hardest job on outside of being a mom, outside of being a stay at home mom at that. It's the hardest job on earth. I, I, I tell you, being a server is not easy. Teacher, that's another one. That's another one. A teacher, that might be even more of a, uh, an extreme example because you've got, what, 20, 30 kids, children with non-developed brains in your classroom amidst your, uh, uh, yeah, that one's hard. That, a teacher, that's a good one. That's a good one. Jeremy, on my Android phone, accidentally unscribed. I can't get to resubscribe and it won't let me rumble. That may be one of the reasons that some aren't able to rumble. Uh, it is a follow button. Yeah, that's, that's odd. That's weird. I would reach out to support at rumble.com. That is support at rumble.com. Let them know your username. Let them know your email. Let them know what the heck is going on with your profile, and they should be able to help. They're very good at getting back to you. It might take a couple days, but they do get back to you. Again, that is support at rumble.com. If somebody could put that in the chat, I'd appreciate it. Let's go to the Bible promise book for morning and evenings. And lo and behold, we're going to read from faith. And ladies and gentlemen, look at the faith that Andrew had. Look at the faith that Abraham had. Look at the faith that David had. You know, now David got away from his faith for a little bit, but he came back. But if you're going to have, you need faith in order to experience that joy to run and tell everybody. So all of it comes down to the faith that you have in what God is saying to you or the faith that you have in what Jesus is trying to say to you. Uh, I was logged off this morning on Rumble. So see, maybe it was a morning. Maybe they did an update this morning. It's support at rumble.com. So we're going to re- read from Hebrews and Galatians. So for those that are taking notes, it is Hebrews eleven six. Again, Hebrews eleven six, and Galatians 3.11. That's Galatians 3.11. I know a lot of people take notes during uh, Rise Up. So Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith. And from Galatians 3.11, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the, sh- the just shall live by faith. It has been said that faith is the bird that sings, the greet, sings to greet the dawn while it is still dark. Faith assures us that daylight will dawn in our darkest moments. The birds will chirp sooner or later. Affirming God's presence so that even when positive feelings fade, our moods surrender to song, worship, praise. That's what God wants us to do when we get down, lonely, far from him. And that's what I've been doing. Like I told you last weekend, when I was out working in the yard, I could not focus on God for anything. I was trying to say a prayer, and my mind was just going everywhere. I could not focus on the prayer. I was focusing on worldly and earthly things that did not matter. And I was like, how am I going to get this how am I going to pray to where it feels? I felt like I needed to say something to God and I felt like God wasn't listening and couldn't hear me. 
So the first thing I did is I went in and I grabbed my earbuds and I put on Deuteronomy and, and, and not for any reason, just because I wanted to go back to the Old Testament because I think I need to learn more about it. So you could choose any book you want, but get yourself in the word of God and it'll take you out of those moods. I promise you might take about 15 minutes, but whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, it'll happen. It will happen. Heavenly Father, I pray for balance in my hide under the cover days. I like that. I like that. That's cool. My hide under the cover days. So that I might surrender to you in song. So if you've got those hide under the cover days and you really just want to get under those covers and just close the blinds, um, go ahead and do it. But use that time to talk to God and he'll bring you out of that slumber so fast. Why is it so hard to find lives anymore? So salty because the channels, uh, it's, it's actually not so hard. Yes, it's so hard if you are logging on and you just can't see the live that day. However, if you go over to the uh, filter section that you can filter by the date on the right-hand side, or maybe if you're doing it on your phone and you're, and you're uh, on the browser on your phone, it's at the bottom, filter the date and, you'll, and to today's date, and you'll find all of them. Or just go to lfatv.us, and there'll be a pop-up as soon as you go there. And when you go to that pop-up and click it, it'll bring you right to today's live show that's on. Okay? So those are some hacks, uh, some life hacks that we figured out um, trying to, you know, keep up with uh, trying to solve problems before Rumble can get to them. It's kind of what it is. All right? Anyone near Austin in this chat says Fur Grizzlies. Anyone near Austin? Uh, folks, we're going to go to our sponsor of the day, and then we're going to go right to Ray Comfort. So our sponsor for Rise Up, and um, soon to be having his own show here on Saturdays on LFA TV, and that is The Trumpet Daily. TheTrumpetDaily.com. Let me pull them up on the screen so you guys can, uh, so we can put them on the screen so you guys can see them. It is The Trumpet Daily, ladies and gentlemen. There it is right there. TrumpetDaily.com. You can go to TheTrumpet.com or you can go to TrumpetDaily.com and sign up today for their show, for their newsletter. Follow them. It's absolutely free. It's not, uh, you don't have to pay anything. It's Bible-based political cultural news every single day with Stephen Flurry. And like I said, on Saturdays, they're going to have a show right here. And in, here's just some of the publication that you get when you sign up. And this comes physically in the mail to you every month. You know what I mean? Little readers like this, Trumpet Daily. There's books there for free. Uh, Stephen Flurry, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, he'll have a show here uh, for a news show, Bible-based news show, kind of like we do on LFA. Uh, but on Saturdays, coming soon, I'll give you a date very, as soon as I know. And that is the Trumpet Daily. So just go to the trumpet.com, the trumpet.com, or trumpetdaily.com, and you guys will be able to sign up. Okay, let's have a sip of our Rise Up coffee. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, we are getting low on the Sumatra Gold, and we are getting low on the American Pecan. Okay, so put in your orders now. I have put in orders to have more bagged up and sent to us. JeremyHerald.com, Rise Up Coffee, get yours today. You definitely don't want to run out. You run out of gourmet coffee, you're going to go, oh, man, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I had it. All right. Now we're going to bring up uh, Ray Comfort. Now, again, like you guys, I told you, SatanCon was last week, okay? And, what, and it was in Boston. 
And all it is is a bunch of satanic weirdos getting together to do what they claim that we do, and that's worship their God. Although it's not real. I mean, well, Satan is very real. Uh, But what they're worshiping is death, lying, deceit, sex, pornography, everything that the Bible teaches against. And you know, these people are never happy. You ever notice that about them? They're never happy. They got metal coming out of every uh, part of their body. They've got piercings in their faces and their bodies everywhere. Not a, not a good thing. Uh, so anyway, we're going to bring this up now. And uh, this is Ray Comfort talking about this. As he said, Satanists applaud as she rips up the Bible. Are you ready for this, folks? Ray Comfort. Here we go. People are arriving in Boston from all over to attend what's expected to be the largest satanic gathering in history. They indoctrinate them into their worldviews based on fear and hatred. It's about supporting human rights. It's about supporting women's bodily autonomy. It's about freedom of religion, freedom from religion. The Bible is the world's most loved and at the same time the world's most hated book. It's loved because it tells us how to find everlasting life. And it's hated because it tells us that certain things are wrong, like murder and rape and adultery and lying and stealing. And we stand here today in defiance of their siege and destroy their symbols of oppression. First of all, can we just pray for these people, folks? I know it makes you sick. It makes me sick, too. But I think Jesus would pray for these people with what they're saying, with their hail this and hail that. It's no different than Hitler. I think um, I think Jesus would pray for these people. I need to put on my headphones here so I can hear this. And it's <clears throat> a lot of anger in these people, you guys. There's a lot of anger. Um, I mean, look at look at the anger. And look at her necklace, too. So make sure that we we pray for these people. Pray for mercy on their souls because huh, it doesn't seem like they know not what they do. So here we go. Most don't believe in Satan, not a literal Satan. We don't worship anything, God or devil. We don't believe they exist. we were doing is trying to destroy the symbols of the things that cause harm, that oppress us, um, whether that is uh, people's theocratic views, um, trying to instill theocratic rule in a, in a supposed secular society, uh, whether that is the Supreme Court utilizing their powers. To- a supposed sexual, uh, um, a secular society, a supposed secular society. Ma'am, I would uh, refer you to the Constitution of the United States. I would refer you to the Bill of Rights and the Federalist Papers that were all built from the Bible. And those gave you the country that you um, have the right to do what you're doing in today. That all comes from the freedom of God, the freedom of choice. You're lucky you have that. Because if the world was, if the uh, United States was, was what you are saying it is, ma'am, then we would stop this nonsense immediately and we would burn you at the stake. So the very thing that you're saying that we should get rid of is the very thing that gives you the freedom to do the crap you're doing. Just saying. To um, decimate our rights, give power to those who are further taking our rights away from us. 
Satan to me is a very powerful symbol of um, rebellion and anti-authoritarianism. And, you know, that's kind of what it is to me. Obviously, everyone is here for their own reasons. Many years ago, I did an interview with a representative from the First Church of Satan here in Los Angeles. I remember that. I'm sure you'll find this interesting. Jack, it's good to have you with us. Appreciate you coming and talking about uh, the Church of Satan. Could you give us some background on the church? Certainly. The uh, Church of Satan was founded in 1966 by Anton Zandler LeVay, uh, who was an, kind of an interesting San Francisco character. Uh, he had an interest in the occult. He had been uh, uh, an organ player for uh, different uh, carnivals and circuses around the country. And um, he started a group called the Magic Circle, which was a, a group of people that were kind of interested in the occult and just um, had similar philosophical interests. And uh, eventually in 1969, he wrote the Satanic Bible, and it's been continuously in print since then. And uh, how big is the Satanic Bible? Um, it's very short. It is? Yeah, you can read it. <laughs> you can sit down and read it in an evening. So what, what would be the message, if you could summarize the message of the Satanic Bible? What do you think it says? Enjoy life in the here and now. Well, that's nothing new. I mean, it's certainly, it's building that out. And it's building that philosophy out of living in the here and now and living kind of, as animals would live, obviously more sophisticated, but um, living taking the carnal very seriously. So what, what would annoy the average Satanist about the average Christian? Obviously a, a Christian who preached to us, we, we would find that you know, annoying because we more or less just want to be left alone and uh, go about our business and follow our own interests. Jack, what are the benefits to uh, being a member of the Church of Satan? Well, essentially there are none. Um, as far, if, you, if you want to be a member, it's... Essentially there it's almost, are none. Um, um, it's a, it's a All right, so there you go. Essentially, there are none, he says. What are the benefits to being a Satanist? Essentially, there are none. Well, there's no joy either. Do you notice anytime you see these people, they're mad, they're angry, they're destroying things. They say they want to be just left alone, but they impose their will on everybody. Now, they would say that we do that as Christians, uh, but we give you a choice. They don't give you a choice. They cancel culture you. They beat you. They yell at you. They're mad. They're breaking things. They're destroying everything. None of them seem happy. None of them have that nice little beautiful life that you dream of with children that are happy. All their children are either obese or, or have, um, you know, piercings coming out of every corner of their body. You know, hair dyed in weird colors. Uh, suicidal. Sick in the head. You know what I mean? And so if you're looking at this from a point of view of like, it doesn't even make you guys happy or joyful none of you seem to be like you just seem to be all depressed and angry and lost and and exactly what god tells you that you are without him i mean you can see it's living proof keep going conscious act of kind of throwing your lot in with the devil you know be taking up that archetype and saying this is who i am Satan represents the powers of force in nature, and we feel that a cleansing of the idiot ideology of the pallid, incompetent Christ is uh, in order. And so uh, this is something that the Church of Satan is conducting on many different avenues. We're doing this through the use of uh, uh, what we have called aesthetic terrorism. Uh, this involves the creative use of art, uh, music, writing, uh, effectively what we call propaganda, the dissemination of information to uh, 
influence uh, what we call iron youth. I understand Marilyn Manson joined the church. How did that uh, affect it? Well, there you go. Marilyn Manson joined the church. I mean, uh, you know, with Marilyn Manson joining, joining the Church of Satan uh, and just look at what Marilyn Manson does on stage. Look what he's done in his life. Look what the people in his life have said that he's done to them. And again, ask your children who might be going down this road or dressing gothic or a lot of kids. Goth is back, by the way. And the reason why gothic is back since the 90s is because we are in a state of Satanism and a state of evil that we have never experienced in our lifetimes. You know that goat head with the, the horns? That's Baphomet. That is who they, um, that is who they sacrifice their children to. That is who Satanists are saying that they sacrifice abortions to. Baphomet is a non-gendered, cross-species, weird, goat-headed uh, thing that sex with humans doesn't have a gender and has children sacrificed to it. Sound familiar? The entire Democratic Party, all of Hollywood, and most of our sports figures are Satanists or Luciferian. And both of them definitely worship a god. Don't let them lie to you. Their whole thing is about lying and deceit. Uh, well, um, Marilyn Manson is, uh, you know, very creative public figure, um, but uh, you know he's also attracted a lot of young kids to, to the church. Oh and yay. He, A lot of <laughs> young kids who are not necessarily Satanists. There you go. So, um, you know, while we respect him and the things that he does. Some of the people that he attracts are not necessarily Satanists, and we find we kind of have to just go through them and. When you say it's, they're not Satanists, does that mean they're not doubting enough? They come in with faith? Yes, they're not doubting enough. No, um, they're more interested in is shocking their parents. Yeah. You know, they want to put on the makeup like he does. You know, he has some really cool makeup, and so they copy it. And, you know, he has some interesting reasons why he does certain things. You really so. think Marilyn Manson's makeup is cool? Would you wear it? I, I think when I was younger, I might have. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that you've I, matured. You know, it's, he, has, he has a creative look, and, you know, it's kind of his own thing. I mean, he, he's cobbled together a lot of different interesting images and worked with them. So. Satan is something that we tap in, is a part of ourselves that we tap into. Hmm. Now, I want to draw a stark contrast, a, a big difference here. We talked about when you experience joy and you run and you want to tell everybody. When is the last time you saw a happy, joyful Satanist going door to door, trying to get people to join or hear his message of being saved and being set free? You don't. Do you want to know why? Because the, uh, the message that you get when you spread the good news of the gospel is that of freedom. It is that of joy. It is that of happiness and love and forgiveness and doing good things for other people. And if you talk about the Satanist, you never hear them going door to door. You never hear them talking about how great it is. You want to know why? Because they've just been enslaved. They've not only been enslaved... Uh, in order to what, what they can and can't say, but they've been enslaved to the point where they don't want to tell anybody about it. And why don't they want to tell anybody about it? They don't want to tell anybody about it outside of trying to make you part of it. They just want to engulf you and swallow you up and stranglehold you. They don't want you to do it by uh, choice because if they, want, if they do it by choice, if I come to you as a child of God, okay, and warlock weirdo here comes to you as a child of Satan and both of us show up on your door and I give you my pitch and he gives you his pitch. Which one are you going to go to? Which one is a rational person, religious or not, faith or not, believing in Christ or not? Which one is a rational person going to lean towards? They're going to lean towards 
the one that is good and, and faithful and loving and joyful. They're not going to lean towards the one that's slaved, uh, puts them in slavery and puts choke collars on them and makes them dress weird and look weird and act weird. So that's why they got to do the same thing with Satanism and Luciferianism as they do with transgenderism. And that is force people into it. Because if anybody has a choice, nobody's going to run to that. Are you kidding me? So they have to force people into it. And how do they do that? Well, they play on your they play on your emotions, they play on your heartstrings, they brainwash you and all of that. None of that is the case with Christianity. They will tell you it is. But if anybody here knows, Christianity is the ultimate choice. The ultimate choice. So they have to brainwash people. Very very big difference. So um you know, when we say hail Satan, to a certain extent I'm saying hail me. Mm. Um, so it is, You're on and the that's Luciferian. Yeah. So yeah, it's the self-church. Certainly. But certainly. that would not hold the, the shock value that the Church of Satan holds. Well, certainly. And, you know, the, the people who want to follow, want to be accepted, who seek acceptance of other people, um, you know, who just want to be the good guy, are never going to join the Church of Satan. We want people who are not interested in what other people think. So by saying that you're a Satanist, you've already crossed out so much of the population. This young lady was deeply into the demonic realm. She's what's commonly called an unbeliever. And so, as the scriptures say, Satan had blinded her mind. As you can see, she has death written all over her. Watch what happens when she's confronted with the gospel. Do you know what an idiom is? Idiom. I'm going to give you one, and I want you to try and explain it to me. First, I'll ask you if you've ever used it, and then explain what it means, okay? If I said to you, well, I'll be damned. What does that mean? Like... Have you ever used it? Yes, I have. Now, give me a context in which you'd use it. I've used it in a sense where I've said, well, I'll be damned if I don't get that trick. Have you ever used it? Uh, yeah, in like situations where I don't, I'm not expecting an outcome, I'll be like, well, I'll be damned. That's <laughs> yeah. a surprise. Yeah. I'm surprised. What does it mean to be damned? to be like cursed <laughs> you're, you're, you gotta take so why would you say that as an idiom I mean I, I've tried to research it and I can't figure it out why people would say well I'll be damned it's the same way that people say uh, like holy and then you know yeah. yeah like people don't really take into consideration what they're saying they just kind of say it like well I'll be damned and then you really take a step back and realize what you're saying yeah. and you're like wait I just curse myself, basically. Here's another one. As sure as hell I'll be there. What does that mean? Would you think hell is sure? As sure as hell? You know, that's a strange thing to yeah, say. It's, a, it's yeah. a very strange thing. I'm pretty sure hell isn't sure. Do you believe in God's existence? Uh, not my, not everyone's idea of God, like the biblical, but I do believe in God in the sense that the universe, the higher power, my spirit guides, my angels. And do you believe in God's existence? Um, I believe that the universe definitely has a force that works in mysterious ways and definitely That's comes called God. karma and stuff like that. Just everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and what you reap, you sow. If you do rotten things, rotten yeah. things will come back to you. Yeah, it's just a kind of a, a law of life. Let's say you hex someone or, you know, you the maloho, like jealousy that creates bad energy, um, threefold rule. It usually comes back to you. Whatever, mm -hmm. like you said, you reap what you sow. Are you into spiritism? Yes. Is that demons? No. Not whatsoever. That's not in my practice whatsoever. Familiar spirits? Yes. It's my spirit guides 
who are usually my ancestors and my angels are, for example, my brother who passed away is one of my angels. My grandma that passed away is one of my angels. Yeah. Do you know what familiar spirit means? Uh, not necessarily, if you could explain that to me. Yeah, the Bible says it's actually demons. Demons. Uh, well, personally, I've had experience with both negative and positive energy, uh, kind of paranormal things, so I can differentiate what is evil and what's not. Um, how do you know? You can feel it. You can sense it. Do you know how the Bible describes Satan? He's called an angel of light. and yet he's the epitome of evil. Yeah. Do you know what he does according to the New Testament? He blinds the minds of people to the gospel. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Are you familiar with the gospel? No. Let me share it with you and get your thoughts in a minute. Are you familiar with the gospel? Neither, no. Okay. Do you think you're a good person? Yes, I know I'm a good person. Okay. You think you're a good person? Yeah, I think so, yeah. What standard time. do you judge by? Because everybody thinks they're good. I mean, a man who rapes a woman would say, oh, I think I'm good, I just felt like it. She, she deserved it. Um, if you move with ill intentions, you know, and everyone knows right from wrong, and I do know that everything that I do is filled with love and positivity. Okay, I'm putting that to the test. Can you handle that? I think so. Okay. Can you be honest with me? Yeah. How many lies have you told in your life? Uh, I can't count how many lies, but I do know that I have lied before in my life. So what do you call someone who tells lies? Uh, uh, <laughs> dishonest? A liar? Yeah, a liar. Have you lied? Definitely. Have you stolen? Definitely. <laughs> yes, I have. Yeah. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Um, probably. What about you? Definitely have, yeah. Would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? No. Why not? Because it's my mother and I have the utmost respect for my mother. That's right. You'd never do that. And yet you've taken the holy name of God, a name that godly Jews won't even speak, it's so holy, and brought it down to the level of a filth word to express disgust, which is called blasphemy, so serious it's punishable by death. Do you still think you're a good person? Yes. Now, Jesus said, if you look with lust, you commit adultery in the heart. Have you ever looked with lust? I think, yeah. <laughs> and what about you? Yes. You use God's name in vain? Yeah, I have. You had sex before marriage? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, ladies, I'm not judging you. This is for you, not for me, okay? You both told me you're lying, thieving, blasphemous, fornicating, adulterers at heart. <laughs> and you you put it like that. It sounds very negative, but I think that we're all human and we make mistakes the same way that... I don't know. We can rewrite our wrongs, and you can. Use how do you rewrite? How do you rewrite lust? Um, well, lust is a normal thing, and having sex before marriage, I think, is totally human. And so is blasphemy and lying and stealing. It's all human. It comes naturally to us. Now I'm going to ask you another question. On Judgment Day, if God judges you by the Ten Commandments, we've looked at four of them. Would you be innocent or guilty? I'm not sure because I don't know all these all of them so but I think that I'm deemed a good person and I know I'm very secure within myself and who I am that no Bible or no person's opinion is gonna change how I feel I'm gonna give you something that might change how you feel Jen if God judges you by the Ten Commandments would you be innocent or guilty 
probably be guilty of a few of them, yeah. Heaven or hell? Hopefully heaven, but where I go, where I go, end up. <laughs> You've got God's promise you'll be damned. That's what the Bible says. Now, here's the thing that will change your mind. If you look at the word good in the dictionary, there are over 40 different definitions. Number one is moral excellence, absolute moral perfection. None of us are good in that respect. We're good by human standards. That's the difference. Of course you're a good person and by human standards, but not by God. So you'd be damned too, which horrifies me. And what does that mean? Uh, this means death? <laughs> yeah, mort means death. Yeah. Mortgage means death grip. Did you know that? When someone uh, gets a mortgage for a house, yeah, it's a death yeah. grip. So mortem means death? Yes, it does. Do you know what death is according to the Bible? Uh, no, because I'm not a Bible reader, like I said. It's wages. Have okay. you heard the Bible verse, the wages of sin is death? Uh, no, I have not. Yeah. Death is payment God gives you for sin. It's uh, like a judge would look at a criminal that's raped three girls and murdered them and said, you've earned the death sentence. This is what's due to you. This is your wages. And sin is so serious to God, he's given us capital punishment. So, ladies, I'd be horrified at the thought of both of you being damned, God giving you justice. So here's a big question. What did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Do you know? I do not know, but again, I don't believe in that concept of God. I don't believe in the biblical God. myself, I know that a God that loves us wouldn't damn us because of human mistakes. And yes, we all make different mistakes. We're all at a, all at a different degree. But my idea of God is not that I'm going to be damned. Just the same way that people tell me I'm going to be damned for being... Well, she just broke the first commandment. Thou shalt not have any other God but me. She's making up her own God. That's not my idea of God. doesn't matter what your idea of God is. It's not what I believe. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. If I stand in front of a, of a tank and say, I don't believe that tank will kill me. Well, guess what? When the tank runs over you, you'll die. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It doesn't matter what I believe. It's what matters what's true and what's not true. Period. So she broke the first commandment right there. Being gay? Uh, yeah. Let me come back to you a minute. Don't let me forget. But let me just ask Jen, would you be concerned if God gave you justice and you ended up damned in hell? Does that concern you? Do you love your life? Well, I do love my life, but I wouldn't be too concerned. Um, I don't think there's a heaven and hell. If I die, my spirit's going somewhere, but I don't think it's this preconceived notion. Of Horrifies me at the thought of you being damned. So let's get back to what you just said. What you just did, Sam, is violated the first of the Ten Commandments. I did that before I was a Christian. It's where you make up a God to suit yourself. You create a God you feel but comfortable that's with. That's idea. That's right. I did it before I was a Christian. What did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to be damned, so we wouldn't have to go to hell? No. So let me tell you and get your thoughts on it, okay? And then I'll let you go. Okay, and I appreciate your patience, Sam. Jesus suffered and died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of the world. I see you nodding, so you know that. You and I broke God's law, the Ten Commandments. Jesus came and paid the fine. That's what happened on that cross. That's why he said it is finished just before he died. In other words, the debt has been paid. Sam, if you're in court and someone pays you fine, a judge can legally let you go. He can say, Sam, there's a stack of speeding fines here. This is deadly serious, but someone's paid him. 
you're free to go and you can do that which is legal or right and just well God can legally let you live forever he can take the death sentence off you because Jesus paid the fine in full so you could go free does that make sense it makes complete sense, but uh, still doesn't pertain. Okay, it's just you still listen, and I appreciate that. Then Jesus rose from the dead, defeated the greatest enemy of all. We all have death itself. And if you'll simply repent of your sins, let them go, turn from them, and trust in Jesus like you trust a parachute, God promises he'll grant you everlasting life. He'll take death off you because I'm sure he's rich in mercy. you feel, but... Uh, I don't believe in your concept of God and Jesus. I know that. I'm still going to keep saying that because I'm not going to repent for my sins and the idea She's start that you getting think. mad. You're going to think about what we talked about? Mm, probably for five minutes and then go on about my day. Okay, please do because my motive is because I care about you. I'm not trying to convert you. I don't want a notch in my belt. I just want you to think about your eternity because this is your precious life we're talking about. And same with you, Sam. Your life is so precious. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm just telling you, hey, you can keep it. Um, he that saves his life will lose it. He that loses his life, for my sake, Jesus said, will keep it. And that's what God's offering you. Everlasting life is a free gift. And so I just want you to perhaps give some thought to this, maybe as you lay your head on your pillow tonight and hear your heartbeat in your ear and think of the fragility of life. Just think about what we talked about. That's all I'm asking. Will you do that for me? Yeah. Real quick here. All right, well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. And and, and again, what the way Ray, Ray Comfort does it is perfect. He, he, you know, he saw that they were getting mad. He saw that they were getting upset. Well, that's called conviction. That is called they're starting to be convicted. They were very open to hear about it when they re, when they were thinking, it's not. It's this is this will be fun. This crazy guy. This will be fun to entertain what he has to say. Then they went from that to being angry. And the reason why they went to being angry wasn't because Ray Comfort was telling him what, what they must believe wasn't because Ray was telling, trying to convert them because he was just speaking the gospel. And the gospel is so powerful. It is so powerful that even if you are as calm, cool, collective, you know, as, as Ray Comfort, the gospel will convict you. And that's why people don't want to read the Bible. So if anybody asks you questions and questions and questions and questions and questions about the Bible and they don't stop, but you keep saying you should read this, you should read this, you should read this, you should read this, why do you think they won't? Because they read other make-believe stuff. They read comic books. They watch Marvel movies. They watch Justice League movies. Why won't they, wa why won't they read the make-believe Bible? Why won't they read those stories? They're just like Marvel stories. They're just like Justice League stories and Greek mythology stories, stories of how, you know, a woman looked back and got turned to a pillar of salt, stories of how some guy put down a staff and the ocean just parted ways and then it swallowed up his enemies. I mean, stories of a guy who had a slingshot and took down a giant who was a warlord and a soldier for many years and he took him down with a slingshot. I mean, these are all great make-believe Marvel stories too, right? No, the reason why they don't read them, the reason why they keep asking questions without going and looking for themselves, the reason why they get angry is because the word of God is that powerful, it is that alive, and it convicts you immediately, immediately. You don't think that Hollywood, if they really thought that the Bible was fake, you don't think they could make billions of dollars off making movies about Revelations itself, the book of Revelations, filled with amazing, crazy stories. They can make billions of dollars with all the Christians in the world. Do you know why they don't do it? Because they know the power of it. 
They know the power of the word of God being on the big screen and in every home and every uh, house across the, the world and every TV would convict people by the millions. That's why they don't do it. So again, ladies and gentlemen, the, peop- the reason why people reject it, the reason why people won't watch it, read it, make movies about it, isn't because they think it's fake. It's because they know it's real. And that's why they get mad about it. I never heard of anybody getting mad when I'm telling them a comic book story that they know is fake, but they sure get real mad when you talk about the Bible. So here's a question. Here's an answer to a question you might get a lot, and we'll wrap up with this. You ready for this? Here's the answer to the question. If God is so good, and he built something so amazing, then why does God let all this bad stuff happen? It's his fault. He's not that great if he's so cool and so good. Here's why. If somebody builds a house, and they build a masterpiece, a carpenter, and you pay this person, you know, $100,000, $200,000, $300,000 to build this masterpiece house for you. And they build the house for you. And then you move into that house and you love it. It's everything you ever wanted it to be. It's perfect. Every wall is where you want it. Every piece of flooring is exactly how you lay out. The tile is laid exactly how you want it. And then you leave on vacation or you go to work. And all of a sudden, vandals and burglars come to that house, and they destroy it. And they put, break all the windows, they rip up the floor, they put holes in the wall, they spray paint on things, they steal your stuff. Are you going to blame the guy who built the house? It's his fault? You're going to call the uh, carpenter and say, hey, hey, how dare you? And the carpenter says, what do you mean? How dare you let this house be destroyed? Uh, my job was to build it. It was your job to take care of it, not mine. Don't call me again unless you want to hire me to build something else. You let it happen. And if you didn't have the security enough to keep it from happening, and you didn't have the, uh, the ability to maintain what I gave you, that's not my fault. Sounds like you need to call the police. Sounds like you need to go out and find out who did it and arrest them and punish them. Oh, uh-oh. Starting to drop too much knowledge on us here, Jeremy. Anyway, folks, that's going to do it. For Rise Up, last show of the week, episode 102. LFA TV continues next with Ungoverned and Sean Farish. You guys are not going to want to miss that. Sean Farish is uh, probably, I'd say he's my second favorite show on LFA TV. Sorry, Sean Crispy's still my favorite show. I'm sorry. I just like the dynamic of the two people. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, God bless you guys. Sean Farish, Ungoverned, coming up next, followed by Live from America. I'll see you then. Have a great morning, ladies and gentlemen. Enjoy this song on your way out, and make sure you rumble up. We want 500 rumbles before we leave. All right, God bless you guys. See you later. I've never